Okay, thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Everybody staying up here this morning? Okay. I haven't worked out the pattern yet, when they go, when they stay. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know if it's like, oh, it's him, I'm going down. Or I, I, I don't know. Uh, Genesis chapter 14. Uh, thanks for uh, being welcoming to me uh, during this visit. I, I'm not going to be long. I, I think we've had a, uh, you know, a good a good morning. We've seen some good things, and and uh, but I would expect by now you're starting to get a little bit of, uh, you know, maybe you need a stretch or something. Uh, I will not be too long. I have to actually go and catch a flight, so I won't be here tonight. Um, Lord willing, I'll be back. Uh, back in Brisbane, and then tomorrow my family and I head back to Thailand. So uh, please uh, remember us as you pray. Uh, when you wake up in the morning, remember us if you would, that we will be uh, planning to, to get back uh, to the work. Uh, you know, I, I'm always glad to, to, to come. I love Australia. Um, I'm, you know, I'm from uh, many generations of Australia. My family came uh, to Brisbane when um, it was, you know, well, just outside of Brisbane, and they got a government land grant. So it was back, it was a long time ago, uh, back when you didn't buy a property, you had to ask the Crown to uh, grant you an allotment of land. So my family came and got an allotment of land. Um, they came over uh, from uh, Germany, really, it was Prussia, but they came from that region, and uh, when they came, uh, they came to be missionaries to the Aboriginal people, and so that was the first one of us uh, who, who came over. They were Lutheran missionaries, and they went to that area to reach Aboriginal people that would go out on horseback and uh, go out and try to reach Aboriginal people. And I don't know what happened because really between that generation and myself, I can't find any other, I can't find any other believers. And maybe you know stories like that where, uh, you know, it started with something in the family generations ago, but somehow it got lost on the way. And actually, if you go back uh, from the generation above me, my, my father and his brothers and sisters, um, there's uh, most, many of them died of alcoholism, uh, died young. I remember my uh, father's sister being called up to the hospital, uh, so she was my auntie, she was 48, she was dying of alcoholism and did die uh, of that. Uh, I remember uh, my father's brothers and then my father as well, and then you go back a generation Further and there's just uh, you know more of that and and uh, I just wonder I think what happened <laughs> you know what happened that you you came out here and then and then for five generations there's nothing until God somehow found me as a teenager and I do believe that God in His mercy will drop a believer into a family line every now and then. And I just think uh, God in his mercy sometimes just uh, will see somebody get saved and will put them in their family line as, a, as a, an extension of hope to that family that the gospel can, can go out again. You might be that person. 
you, you might be the one. You, you, you might be someone born out of season where, where there, there, isn't, there isn't any others that was lost and there's been an intervention of God and he saved you and he's placed you in your family to, to be a witness. And, and I have a long you know, connection with Australia. I, I, I'm passionate about it. I, I, I understand my nation as best you can. I, I stay in touch. I, I, uh, you know, I, I think I understand somewhat the pulse of the nation. Uh, so I'm always glad to be back. I'm here because I was invited to. But, but as of uh, today, our duties end here. This is my last uh, m- meeting to preach. And so we will not linger. Uh, we will get back to our field. The work awaits uh, in another place. Uh, God willing, my family and I will, will board tomorrow, uh, arrive in the evening, uh, Lord willing, in Thailand. We'll be greeted there by our people uh, every time we leave and every time we come. Uh, they, uh, they meet us at the airport. Uh, they... We don't have to say anymore where to meet. We all know where to meet. And uh, I'll be there and, and I'll, we'll come out. And, uh, and we've only been gone three weeks, but everybody will give everybody a hug and uh, there'll be smiles and, and the, some of the men will put their arm around me and another will step in and take my bags and, and we will walk together uh, through that terminal like we've done many times. And uh, we'll walk out and step outside of the terminal and the oppressive heat will greet us and we'll know where we are again. And uh, then we'll get in the vehicle and start the three-hour trip back to Nakhon Sawan. And and that's kind of how it goes for us. But that's where the work is. And uh, God has knitted my heart to those people. Uh, I think of uh, Jacob who said that, um, he said, "I, I went out with my... I went out with my staff, but years later, he he came back and there was so much more than that. And he said, I have returned with these bands. And God had taken a man with a staff and turned him into bands, a group, a group of people who assembled together. And so you pray for us as we make our way back to the field. Uh, There are many people, as uh, you've seen in other places, who, who need Christ, who need the gospel, uh, they won't hear it unless somebody tells them. And uh, so we, we appreciate your kindness. Uh, I thank you for allowing us to be here. Suzanne enjoyed the time that was brief. Uh, I told her on the phone last night, you left me. And she said, just for a night. I said, well, you still left me. And uh, I said, I ate breakfast alone. It wasn't the same. Uh, but she's, uh, she's at home getting everything ready. So she's you know you need medication. There's medication we cannot get up there. So you go to the doctor and you say, I need, uh, you know, six-month supply. <laughs> or, you know, I need a year. Can you? And, and, you know, some stuff you can get up there. But some, so she's getting all of that ready. And that'll be our plan. So anyway, thank you for receiving us. Uh, I've been coming here a long time. Um, I guess at least uh, two decades uh, I've been visiting here. You've always, been a, you've always been welcoming to me, but you've also always been a church that cared about missions. And I want you to continue in that. Uh, so I'm going to give you, uh, I'm going to read three verses, and, you're, and when I read them, you're going to think, that's odd. Uh, what, 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 what would this be about? And what I want to talk to you about this morning briefly, I want to talk to you about you. And I want to just uh, talk to you about uh, you planning 
to just stick around? And are you planning to still be here uh, next year and the year after and the year after? And as long as God allows you, gives you grace to breathe and have health, that you just plan that you're going to finish your course. Now, you, you, you would know, you don't say any names, I don't want you to, to go, you know, say anything out loud, but, but, but in your reflections, may I just ask you, how many people, if you thought about it, do you know who used to be with you, but they're not anymore? All right. How, how many people do you know, I used to, you'd say this, I used to serve God with them, uh, they, they used to be really faithful and, and they're not, you know, for multiple reasons, they're not here anymore. Uh, there are some that uh, this morning, they're, they're not even at church and uh, they have no plan to be at church tonight. Uh, they have just been lost to the way and lost to the work. And so I want to talk to you about uh, just staying close to God. It's a, it's a simple message. Just stay close to the Lord so that you don't become one of those casualties. And we're not judging anybody, but I'm just saying I want you to finish your course. I, I want you to not let something take you away. Uh, uh, I don't want, uh, we're not underestimating what's out there. Just to, to stay faithful, to keep going. We're not judging anybody else. But, but let's just finish. Let's, let's, just, let's just go all the way in being faithful to church, uh, caring about the lost, growing in Christ, giving to missions, supporting the work of God, just doing what God put us on earth to do. And let's just finish it and go all the way. And when our time is done, our time is done. But let's not get uh, taken away. So... Genesis chapter 14, I've been teaching uh, my inner men uh, through the life of Abraham. And we sit down together and we've been going through it and, and just I've been teaching them lots and lots of things about Abraham and his life and all the principles and lessons that are contained therein. And then as I teach those men, it's recorded and, uh, and then it gets... Uh, it gets sent out as a recording. It goes, goes out to many places all over Thailand. So the moment I'm done, ding, it goes out, and uh, Thai pastors and others around in places, they will ding, will come up on their phone, and uh, then they will listen to that. And uh, we get feedback from that different times. Some say, oh, I never heard this. And, and so we've just been going through the life of Abraham. I think it's been profitable. But you come to chapter 14... And it's sort of like you encounter all these long names and, uh, and people who aren't Abraham. And, 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 you know, at least in the beginning of chapter 14, Abraham is not even really sort of involved. And you just look at it and think, well, what is this here? And what it is, chapter 14 is significant in Genesis. It's the first recording of the first, what you might say, as much as you could liken it to like a, a global war. It's, a, it's the first recording of, of uh, a big, big fight that encompassed a large area that involved many different countries or areas and many different kings. 
Now, it's not unknown to us that this happens in history. In, uh, in World War I, 1914 to 1918, you know what they call World War I? They call World War I the war to end all wars. It was never going to happen again. It, surely humanity would learn that, that, we, that we would never allow this to happen again. There's barely a, an, a town in Australia uh, that you can go to that was not touched by World War I. You see those monuments up in the, or clocks, or, or, or their names are etched in stone all across Australia. It was a war that was fought on a European battlefield far away from here. But yet it was a war that impacted everybody uh, all over. That's why they call it World War I. And then just when they thought that was done and that we'd all learned a lesson, uh, it ended in 1918, 1939, it all started again. And then we went into World War II and, and everybody was impacted by World War II. I remember saying to Joe's grandfather, sort of, you know, sign language and talking to him, I said, do you, were you, were you, do you remember when the Japanese invaded Thailand? Can you remember? And he said, yes, yes, I remember. I said, did you see them? I said, he said, yeah, I remember seeing them, the Japanese soldiers. He said, I saw them. He said, uh, he said there was one climbed a tree. I don't know what he was doing up the tree. And he said, he left his gun uh, down the bottom of the tree. And he said, we went over and, and, and we grabbed the gun. And we said, we shoot you. And he said, Put that gun down or I'll smack you. And he said, we dropped it and ran away. <laughs> Very Thai. <laughs> you know, Thailand changed sides three times in World War II. Did you know that? They, they were this side and then that wasn't going well. Then they became this side and that wasn't going well. And they flicked back to this side and it all worked out okay. Well, this was the first big conflict. And, and, and I've scaled it out and I've looked at maps and I've, I've followed it. I've looked at, okay, where did, where did they come from? What did they do? What happened here? And it's all, it's all here in chapter 14. Uh, but uh, just, I want to just pick up from verse 9 to 11 to get the lesson or the principle. Verse number 9 says, with, uh, and I'll explain it you know, once we read it, with Chedolama, the king of Elam, and with Tidal, a king of nations, and Amraphel, king of Shinar, and Arioch, king of Elisar, four kings with five. You see that? So that's, I have underlined that in my Bible. Four kings with five. That's to tell you the scale of this conflict. It was huge. It was, there, was, there, there is no recorded precedent before this. This is the first big one to, to come across the Bible. All right, and then so four kings were fighting five, and you're talking vast armies, uh, you know, covered a lot of area. Uh, verse number 10, and the vale of Siddim was full of slime pits. Now, uh, we're going to get back to that, but, but when you read this, when you study your Bible, I want you to understand God does not put things in there to fill up space. That's what you do with your university assignments. But that's not what God does, all right? God does not just say, you know, I need 5,000 words. What can I say? Let's just bounce a little bit of geography in here or something. 
let's try to sound interesting, you know, I don't know, but God doesn't do that. Uh, the Word of God is as much the Word of God as God wanted you have the Word of God. If it was smaller, that's all He would have wanted you to have. If it was bigger, that's what He would have wanted you to have. But what you have is what you have because that's what you're meant to have. So there are no peripherals in the Word of God. There's nothing there as a filler. Now, it doesn't mean that you're going to get it all. It doesn't mean that every time you read it, you're going to get everything every time. Most of us know that as we read the Bible over and over again, we keep seeing new things, right? You keep, oh, I didn't see that before. Or worse, someone gets up and teaches on something you've read 20 times and you, and you think, how did I miss that? And, uh, but that's okay. God illuminates different things to different people. So the four kings against five, uh, the, the, the vale, the valley of Siddim is full of slime pits. And the king of Sodom and Gomorrah fled and fell there, and they that remained fled to the mountain, and they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals and went their way. And verse number 12, they also took Lot, and they, but I don't want to focus on that. And they took Lot, Abraham's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom with his goods and departed. So this big, big battle takes place with all these people. And what it was about, if you go back earlier, was that they had been under, a, um, uh, they had been under servitude of a, of a foreign king and they rebelled after a dozen or so years. And so that king came down to deal with them. He came down. To, now, you, you, when I say Sodom and Gomorrah, I, know, I, know, I already know you're racing, you know, you're getting ahead, the, the chapter, to other places, but... Just pull back a little bit and just understand it's a place, it's, it, it's people, it's a city. Um, you know, it wasn't just them. There are others involved. There are lots of people involved here. Uh, but but, but they, they're going to get overrun. And, and so these kings swept down uh, from the north and you can plot it out on a map. And, uh, and they, they came down and, they, and what they did, they had a strategy. And I'll, I'll visit it sort of towards the end. They had a strategy... The goal was, here was the goal, the goal was we're going to go to the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and we're going to take everything from them. The goal is to dispossess them of everything they have. Now, that's the same goal the devil has for you. The devil's goal for you is to dispossess you of everything you have. Whatever you have now, he wants to take away. He, he wants to shatter your faith. Don't tell me no one sat here before and they're not here today because their faith got shattered over something. And so they're not here now. He wants to shatter your faith. Uh, he, he wants to cause you great disillusionment and disconnect you from God. Not, not that you can be lost again, but you can become distant. You can become far away from the Father's care and provision. And he always wants to dispossess you. And the goal here, let's go and take everything they have. You know, if the devil has his way. He wants to dispossess you of your marriage. He'd like to see that end. He'd like to get you away from the people who love you. He'd like to cause your kids to go away, to, 
to blow up everything in your family. That's what he'd like to do. He seeks to dispossess you. If he can, he'd like to take away everything you own. He'd like to make you poor if he could do that. He'd like to put you in a place where you can't give and, and you're destitute. I've seen people like that. I've seen it. Uh, I, I remember we had a man in the church years, years, years ago and uh, he came into the church in the very early days when I was pastoring in Australia and he had a good job. He's air traffic controller. He had a good job. He had a good family. He had a, had a beautiful, a beautiful uh, you know, everything was nice. His house was nice. His car was nice. A nice family. Uh, it was nice to have him in the church. And, uh, and I watched, I watched how, how a, a series of events took place that utterly dispossessed him of everything. And you would not have believed it if we had, if we had said that this could happen, that this, this could take place. And I will never forget, standing in my office, looking out my glass doors that faced out to the car park, looking out my office, he used to have a beautiful car and and a good job and family and just his kids looked lovely when you saw them come to church and his wife and, and, uh, and, and it was all good for all. I'll never forget, sitting out looking down, this really old broken down car drove into the car park. And I was thinking, who is that? And I was looking and, and I was just took a gasp when the car door opened and out walked that man. Uh, disheveled and uh, hunched over, not from age or illness, but from burden. And, uh, and, 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 and suddenly his steps were slower and faltering as he made his way into the church and, and he got dispossessed of everything. That man's marriage ended, there was, the family were all separated, the money was gone, the, everything, everything went. And the goal of the devil is to dispossess you now, now, God wants to bless you, okay? This is not prosperity theology, but God wants to bless you. The only limit to God blessing you is your ability to handle the blessing God gives you. There is no limit with God. God, God, God has not capped you. The only limit is if God knows at this point this will be bad for him because he can't handle it. Do you understand that? And so, so, but God wants to prosper you. God wants you to have a blessed home. God, under, God understands you. God wants you to have good relationship. He wants you to have a, the blessing that family can be. Uh, he wants to bless you with your finances. That, that goes well. He wants you to be able to give. He wants you to be able to be healthy. He said, uh, I don't want to put any of the diseases on you that were put on Egypt. I look at you differently. And, uh, and it's not prosperity theology. It's just a loving God has laid out principles and truths and doctrines and that if you follow them, they are a pathway to blessing. And he desires to give you that. But your enemy wants to dispossess you. And, and I'm just telling you now while you're sitting in church and maybe now while you're okay to, to understand you're never far away from everything changing. If you, if you get caught away from God, everything can go. Do you, you know, you, if you pull your wife out of church, she will not be the same woman as she is in church. I'm telling you, as she gets more distant spiritually, she'll get more cantankerous with you. 
Your husband will be better for being in church than he will be by not being in church. Do you understand that the closer you get to God, the closer you get to each other? That, that, that at the, at the more you love God, wonder of wonders, the more you seem to love people. The more spiritual you are, the less you fight. Do you understand that? And, th- and God offers you all of that. But you, you get pulled away from God and all of that can come undone. You can look at her one day and say, I don't know who she is. Or she might look at you one day and say, I don't know, I don't know who he is anymore. And it can all unravel very quickly. And the goal of the enemy is to dispossess you. Now, what you see here is you scale all this out on a map and you think, okay, hang on, where, where did Abraham go? Right? Hang on, we were studying Abraham. What, what happened? We, we, where's Abraham in all this? That's a good question. And I asked it, hang on, let me, let me, let me do this again. And I put it on a map and this it tells you. It came down here and then they swept across here. And then they dispatched these people over here before they came down to here. And, and, and global, you know, or the scale of the conflict on, on that area. And you ask yourself, where was Abraham? Let me tell you where he was. Abraham was safe in the will of God. That's where he was. It was all going on around him, but nothing was happening to him. Amen? I mean, I mean stuff was going on everywhere. And all these armies, and don't tell me you, you, know, you, you could not know about it. It was, it was vast in its scale. And there would have been people fleeing villages, burning and cities, and, and, uh, and, and, and in the midst of all this going on, there's no interruption to Abraham's life. Here he is, right in the will of God, walking with God, uh, following the Lord, living by faith, and, and the, the shadow of the Almighty is watching over him. He's under the wings of the Almighty. And all this stuff is going around, and yet Abraham is being preserved. You know, uh, safety is of the Lord. It's of the Lord. And the Lord is able to protect you and watch over you, no matter what is going on all around you. And, and this, is a, this is a great example of that. Here is uh, the known nations at war, and yet Abraham is safe in the will of God. I like Psalm 91. I, I, like, I like a lot of the Bible, but I like Psalm 91. And uh, let me read it to you because it talks about that. Don't, don't lose Genesis. If you're going to follow me to Psalm 91, don't lose Genesis. But Psalm 91, it says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be af- How many times have I read this on the field? Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night. And there are terrors in the night. 
and shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right side, but it shall not come nigh thee. Safety is of the Lord. The safest place to be is in the will of God. The, the, blessed, the best place you can find yourself is exactly where God has placed you. The will of God is your safety. Now, the will of God is your safety not, not, not only in your geography, not only in your location. Abraham was where he was because that's where God had him. And wonder of wonders, somehow it all just moved around him, but he never got caught up in that until he decided to go rescue Lot, then he chose to get involved. But had Lot not been taken away, I don't, I don't think for a moment he would have even got involved. And, uh, and he was just with God, he was just safe. And if you just walk with God, you can be safe where God has placed you, but, but let me say, safety is of the Lord in that the, the will of God, listen carefully, the will of God, the things that God wants you to do, that you know already, the will of God in its simplicity will deliver you from many troubles. You understand? This is not rocket science. This is not rocket science. I, I remember when I was a little boy, a man told me, did you know one of Australia's prime ministers drowned at sea? Well, he drowned while he was swimming, Harold Holt. And, uh, and I remember the old men, uh, they would say, hearing them talking, uh, one old man said, probably old brethren man, he said, when Harold Holt drowned at sea, do you know, what, do you know when Harold Holt drowned at sea? Let me, let me remind you. It was Sunday morning around 10 o'clock. Hello? Hello? He was at the beach, swimming, and one, that old man said, when we, the news came that Harold Holt drowned at sea, the old man was said, he said, if that man had been at church, he'd be alive today. Well, old fella, you got that right. That, that ain't bad. That's, that's, that's pretty good. If that man had been at church, he'd be alive today. You know, the will of God in its simplicity will deliver you from a lot of things. Now, now listen, you don't have to join the dots. Well, I don't see. You don't have to see. Just do it. Just do it. Just, just, it's not hard. When, when, when you know where you're supposed to be, you should just be there. And just follow God in the simple things of your life, the principles you adhere to, the, the, the way you live. Nobody's perfect, but the way you live. When church is on, just be there. And you, and you, you, you will be delivered from a lot of things that are going on with everyone, and, and it won't happen to you. Do you understand? Just because you're just where you're supposed to be. You know, I, I, I remember uh, uh, just got put in my head when I was, when I was uh, uh, sort of around 20, 21. I think it was Jack Holes who put it in my head. But uh, it just got put in my head, you know, don't be out after midnight. Don't be out. You, it, nobody should be out after midnight. You should be at home in your bed before midnight. Now, I can't give you a Bible verse on that. But it just resonated with me. And I just decided, well, I'm just going to live that way. So do you know what I taught my kids? Uh, uh, don't, you're not going to be out after midnight. 
you will be at home in your room guaranteed before then. Now, now, just, now you've heard me say this. You just follow now. The next time you hear about bashings and one-punch deaths and, and fights and accidents, you just look what time it happened. You hear what I'm saying? And you'll find it was 2 in the morning and 1.30 and, and all of that. And, and the principle of God will just keep you safe from a lot of things. And, and if you're raising a family, God help you pick these things up and, and start to live a, raise a family on principles and start to say, look, as for me and my house, we're going to do it this way. Well, Dad, I don't know any verse that says you've got to be in by midnight. Well, I don't know one either, but it's a family rule as about now. And you just start to lead your home with some principles and based on the things of God. And that's a protection. And it's a blessing. And it'll, it, what it'll do, it'll steer you and your family on the path of blessing. The principles will hedge you in that you'll stay right on that, that you, you'll go right through that narrow gate and that, that straight gate, that narrow way. God will keep you there because that's where the blessings come. And, and that's how God, I, there was a man in our church in Thailand, and, uh, and, and I love him, and, and he's very open with me, but I, I remember him when he was wrecked and wretched and had nothing. I, I recall uh, 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 when he was sick and vomiting and alone and, you know, not in his right frame of mind, and, and I, I had pity on him. And I, I said to Joe, I can't leave him like that, and and uh, I said, Joe, I've got to go in and get him. And Joe said, he lives in a slum. If you go in there, you know, you, you can't go in there. He said, we don't even go in there. I said, well, I can't leave him. I said, he's got no one. He's sick. He's, he's got no one. And I said, look, drive me to the little lane that leads into the slum area and you stay here and I'll go in and get him and, uh, and I'll bring him out and get him in the car and I'll take him home. And I'll try and help him. And, uh, and Joe said, you sure? And I said, sure, I'm sure. And so I said, take my phone, take my wallet, keep all that. Uh, and I said, I'll go in. And I remember going in and, and this was his life. And I went in and there was, you know, liquid of the smelly kind running all on the, you know, everywhere. And it stank. And, and as I'm walking in, I'm trying to find where he is. And people start coming out of the shadows and, they're looking at me and, and they're talking and they're going, hey. And I look and they say, what do you want? And I just keep walking, hey. And I could hear them talking and, and I just kept going with my head down. I finally got to, and he, he really wasn't a room. It was just, it was sort of just old wood banged together and card and all that sort of thing. And, and not a door, like a cloth and sort of got in there and there he was lying on the floor and he was sick and vomit was all over him and he was really sick and, and I, I said, oh, and I cried and I said, oh, and I picked him, I came here, come here. And he's looking at me, I said, come here. And I picked him up and, uh, and I carried him out and, you know, Joe saw me coming and I got him in the car and I took him home and I took care of him and I did stuff like that lots of times. Now, this man now, you wouldn't know this. You wouldn't know. If you met him, you won't know. You'll say, boy, that's a fine young man that Brother Shemish has got there with him. Look at him. You won't know. But he's married, children, he's got a great life. God is with him. But you know what happened? It's just about, about two months ago, he started to get frustrated in his marriage. 
And I mean, not stuff that happens to everyone. His wife started saying things to him and, and he'd tell her, you know, just be quiet and, and she'd say and he'd get angry and, he'd, he'd, and there was other things in their personal thing that it was bothering him. He was getting upset about that and, and I could see and he was starting to change, you know. And, and he, said, uh, he said, you know, I said, uh, and he, he'd been with me 10 years and he said, uh, I, I'm just going to go home. I'm leaving everything. I'm just going to go home. I'm leaving her, I'm leaving my child, I'm just going to go home and I'm going back to my father, back, you know, in the village, many hours away, I'm just going to go. And I said, you know, I said, if you do that, you will lose everything that God has given you. Everything. And I said, do you know what the next step, I said, you can do it. I said, but do you know what the next step will be? I said, you'll get up there. And all will be gone, and she'll be gone, and your child will be gone, and your life will be gone, and you would have blown up everything God gave you. And then you'll get up there, and then you know what the devil will say? The same one who dispossessed you will then say, look at you, you've got nothing. There's nothing left to live for now. Why, you don't even deserve to be here anymore. You should just bring it all to an end. And I said, it'll end with you taking your own life. And his eyes just got big and he looked at me and said, I said, that's what he'll put in your head. And he was, I said, you don't do this. Don't let the devil dispossess you of everything God has given you and everything God is planning to give you. The, the life that God has shaped for you. And so, so Abraham is preserved and, and then you know, let's finish it and Here's what I want you to see as we conclude. Look what happened to, to Sodom and Gomorrah. Look, 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 look. And he, if you follow this through, this is this, and this is the strategy of the enemy. Listen carefully. If you follow this through, if you read the verses I didn't read, you'll find that uh, Chedorlaomer, who who had the his memory, what's his plan? To take away everything they have to take away their kids, to take away their stuff, take away their future, to take away everything. And, that's, and he's coming right for them. But do you know what he did before he got to them? If you read it, you know what he did? First of all, he dealt with all their friends before he got to them. What he did, he made it that by the time he brought this on them, there was no one left to help them. And one of the strategies of the enemy in dispossessing you will be to cut you off from the people who are trying to help you. Are you hearing me? To make you think your friends are really your enemies. To, to systematically, to, to make you think the pastor doesn't like you or he's, he's whatever you think. But to systematically dismantle quietly the relationships and the people who would be able to help you to to take them away and that's always the lead up to finally you blowing yourself up are you hearing me you lodge it down deep don't you think you'll be on this happening you don't you think you'll be on getting getting disgruntled in ministry don't, don't you think you're beyond getting upset with other people in the church who aren't pulling their weight? And finally, you can't take it anymore. 
and you give it up yourself. Don't think there aren't things that can't come on you and start to work you over. And you start thinking, you know, uh, this Christians ought and should never be this way. Well, I, you know, I, I can put up with this from the world, but not from these people. You know, it'll just work on you. And here's the next thing. Do you ever have this thought come? My unsaved friends care more about me than the people in the church. Hello? Hello? Nothing new. Nothing. It's the same enemy. It's the same tactics. Whoa, my unsaved friends, they accept me more. And, you know, it's the same. You know what's, you know what's happening? He's working on you here. That's what he's doing. He's going to dispossess you. He's got a plan. Let's get the, this one out of your life and get this one out of your life. And, boy, you'll just cut them off and move away from that one so he can, he can get at you. And by the time it comes, you've got nowhere to go. Boy, Ecclesiastes 4 verse 10 says, Woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him. And so this, he dismantled all of their help and then, and then the conclusion here, uh, the, the final lesson, is where did they finally fall? I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a massive scale if you put it on a map where all these battles were taking place. But do you know where they, their undoing was? In the Vale of Siddim. You know what Siddim means? It just means on the side. It's the place on the side. It's not, the, it's not on the main road. It's not on the main path. It's just off to the side. Are you getting it? And do and you know what was in the Vale of Siddim? Do you know what was not on the main road but was off to the side? Do you know what was there? Slime pits. It's the only time they're mentioned. Slime is mentioned a couple more times, but slime pits. There was slime pits on either side of the road. The Vale of Siddim, right where they were, and that's where they fell. They fell in the slime pits that were just right there waiting, very close. And, uh, you know, in life, look, there, there are things that can become slime. You know what a slime pit does? You know, do you know why they fell there? Because you, you, it pulls you down. It sucks you in. And it's just, it just sucks you in until you, you can't, and it gets all over you and, and, and you, and finally you can't escape it. It's engulfed you. Do you know what bitterness is? A slime pit. Bitterness is a slime pit. It'll get all over you and then finally it'll trap you and you won't be able to get out of it. And it'll be that's where he fell, in the slime pit of bitterness. And there's a lot of that. You know what lust is? Lust is a slime pit. Everybody, listen to me, everybody has lust or desire. Everybody has it. But, but you will either control your lust or your lust will control you. Are you hearing me? You will control your lust or your lust will control you. But if it controls you, you're headed to the slime pits. It's going to bring you undone. Okay, so, so you say, well, but... You know, I, 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 I feel things. Everybody feels things. Yeah, but, but stuff come, it comes to everybody. You have to rule over that. We're not, we're not saying that oh, this doesn't happen, but we're saying, brother, uh, uh, narrow is the gate and straight is the way. Stay here because any little wanderings off to the side, you might step into a slime pit 
and you'll fall very close to where you were standing. And of all the places they finally got taken down, it was the slime pits that were just off to the side. Look, they're always there. You know, they live near those slime pits. Isn't that odd? They, they, they lived there. They were never far away ever. You, you think they would have known the dangers of their own area. But it wasn't the enemy who fell there. It was them. They fell in their own. And this is the warning of God. I want to admonish you as we finish to, to as best you can, to have some resolve, to get some wisdom right now and some understanding that to the best of my ability, I'm going to stay on the road that God has put me on. And when bitterness comes knocking in my life and, oh, it's there, I'm going to acknowledge it for what it is, but I'm going to look it square in the eye and say, that's a slime pit and I don't want to fall in that. And the other things, and when ministry disappointment comes, when church family lets you down, uh, when, when, when things happen that shouldn't happen, we'd all agree, yeah, it shouldn't have happened. Shouldn't have happened. We'd all agree, but it did happen. But that you don't let that thing become your undoing. Don't become like the stories that you know. And we're not judging anyone, but, but you know. You tell me, Brother Shemish, they used to sit here. They sat, they sat here. Brother Shemish, they were, they were faithful. They used to head up ministries. Uh, 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 they preached to us. And, and now they're not here. And I'm just saying, you determine, young, old, in between, you've got a long way to go, you haven't got too long to go, the lights are on the hill or wherever it is, but you just make a fresh resolve. By the grace of God, I'm going to stay in the safety of the will of God to the best I can. And whatever else is going on in the world, and there's plenty going on, I can tell you. You just stay where, and you will abide. Isn't that a blessing? That's where you'll be. Where is he? He's right there. He's just abiding under the wings of the Almighty. Let's pray, Pastor. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for the, Lord, just the message this morning, how you've just taken this principle in, in scripture, Lord, and enlightened our, our eyes of understanding. And Father, we certainly, Lord, I want to humble ourselves before you this morning, recognizing that, Lord, potentially any of us if we're not resolved in you and we're not following after you, uh, can really fall by the wayside that way. And Father, yet as we think that, we no doubt have some in mind, Lord, who we're not judging, but Lord, we're just thinking of as um, Lord in our concern and also just in our Lord, in, in the lessons you're teaching us, the, the, the reproofs of life, Lord, need to, need to learn from, need to perhaps reach uh, to, and pray that you'd help us, Lord, to, Lord, be resolved in what we ought to be for you and who we ought to be for you. Lord, we are in a warfare. And Father, we need all the soldiers in their place 
And yet, Lord, we have an enemy who will make casualties of all of us. And so I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to consider, Lord, your word this morning. Consider the warning of it. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. And we've been talking this week uh, about the gospel, about missions. And perhaps you're here this morning, and uh, as we have this time of invitation, as you've listened in, perhaps this morning, with all the talk of the gospel, maybe in the first place you're not even saved. Maybe there's never been a time where you've trusted in Christ as your Savior. And yes, narrow is a way. But there's many, that, and there's the broad way that leads to destruction. And maybe you're here this morning, and just as the, the piano can begin to play as we have this time of invitation, maybe in the first place you're here this morning, and if I were to ask you this question, if you were to die today, would you know that your sins are forgiven? that heaven's your home? Have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? And maybe you're here this morning and just with that question, you're not sure. If you were to die today, and the Bible tells us um, to boast not ourselves of tomorrow, for we know not what a day may bring forth. We have no guarantee. And perhaps if you were in that situation you find yourself in, you're, you wouldn't know, you wouldn't know where you would be headed. Is there anyone here this morning, just with an uplifted hand, no one's looking around, every head is bowed, but with, just with an uplifted hand, just say, Pastor, pray for me. I wouldn't know for sure. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know where I'd be headed if I were to die today. If, if, if it was this moment where death came calling, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know where I'd be going. Is there anyone this morning, just say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure, but I'd like to know. Is there anyone here this morning? Anyone at all. You could be a guest, you could be a normal attendee, you could be a member of the church. And, the, and really the message of the gospel is that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. So anyone here this morning, just say, Pastor, pray for me. Anyone at all. I don't see any hands. And maybe Christian, as we've been challenged this morning, maybe God's just impressed upon your heart to once again have some resolve. You know, the, the, the need of missions only gets compounded by the loss at home. Sometimes we look at the, the, the need to reach the world, and yet the way to do that is if we're in our place and we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. And maybe you're here this morning, just say, Pastor, pray for me. I, I want to just be more resolved to just continue on for the Lord. So anyone here just say, Pastor, that's me. I want to be resolved. I want to be resolved. I see those hands. Anyone else? I'm going to be resolved. You know, I want to be, I want just want to continue on for the Lord. I see those hands, many hands. I see those hands. You can put them down. All right, as we stand to our feet, maybe God brings to mind a person that you're, you're that, you know, you serve with and you're just concerned and maybe you pray for them this morning. Why don't we stand to our feet? No one looking around. If you raise your hand this morning, then can I invite you to this altar? Can I invite you to come and pray? Pray for someone. Maybe pray for a, a, a friend. Pray for a brother in Christ. Maybe you just need to pray for yourself and commit yourself once again this morning to just being resolved in the battle.
And so the piano is playing. Why don't you come as the piano plays? If you raise your hand, I want to invite you to come to this altar this morning. If you raise your hand, many of you did. Let's all, let's all come to the place of just being humble before the Lord. And So as the piano plays, why don't you come? If you need to be saved, please don't leave this place without knowing, without knowing that you can be saved. Take our hymn books, please, and uh, let's turn to hymn number 488. 